Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. Today we are talking all about gardening and gardening stuff. So if you have a bit of a green thumb, be it indoor plants or outdoor gardening, hopefully this will work for you. Now, Beck, you are the plant guru or the crazy plant lady. That's probably more accurate. (laughs) You'll know all about this. What kind of gardening stuff do we need to cover that, you know, people get cluttered up by? Okay. Uh, So I'm more of an indoor gardener and Mick does our outdoor gardening. Yes, I'm not a guru, but I am a crazy plant lady. So I do have, I think a a friend messaged me recently because she'd got a few plants and she said, how many plants do you have? And I said, oh, I don't know. And then I counted like 37 in my family room and kitchen area. (laughs) So I do have... I do have more than I thought I had. And then I went around the rest of the house and I've got them. They're in every room except Ethan's room. He, he wants one, but he hasn't got around to it yet. But, oh, no, there's no there's none in the laundry. There are plants in every other room of the house. So they loads in the family room. So, yeah, I'm a crazy plant lady. So there is there's quite a lot of stuff and I'm not like a gardening person. So the people that are listening to this that are gardeners, they might kind of see I, I might miss something. When, I'm, when we're talking about this, but hopefully I don't. And uh, if I do miss anything, then they can come and tell us in the community and share it with everybody. But there's a whole lot of stuff that I sort of think would constitute gardening stuff. And, you know, one of them would be soil. Uh, so you'll have buckets of soil or bags of soil that are hanging around for your potting. If you just outdoor garden, you might have mulch and other kind of soil related things as well pots I have a client who has she she is definitely crazy plant lady and uh, she would laugh to hear this uh, but she would have she's got literally hundreds hundreds of plants like I, I'm just kind of imagining now it would be three three or four hundred plants she's got at her place and uh, she rents so she doesn't garden in the garden and the garden beds so it's all pots like she's just got she's just got so much and one of the things that she struggles with is pots so I know she has more pots than what she needs and she would admit that as well and uh, they kind of keep coming and she's gotten better at decluttering them lately but pots is something that um, can can cause clutter does she have Uh, does she have uh, like ceramic or terracotta pots, or are you talking the plastic ones? She's got both. Both, yeah. Mm. Because depending on the need, it's a lot of plants that you buy will come in the plastic pots, and so when you repot them, you often put aside the plastic pots, thinking, "Oh, I'll use them for when I do some propagation or mm-hmm. when I split some other plants that I buy or something like that." And I use plastic pots inside decorative pots because I don't like planting directly into decorative pots. I just prefer the flexibility. And inside, she does that bit of that as well. Outside, she uses all terracotta pots, um, and so she's got quite a collection of those waiting for new plants to go into and waiting for propagations to go into and all of that so there's a whole lot of different pots that you will have so yeah there, there are those plastic ones that that do accumulate as well and I've got a little stash of those there are tools so you can have like your really large tools like hedge trimmers and lawnmower and whippersnipper and all that kind of stuff I wonder hey I wonder if they call them whippersnippers in America 
Ooh. Do you reckon whippersnipper is an Australian thing? I feel like it When I be. said it, I thought it sounds such like such an Australian word. Because yeah, the Americans would be like, what? what? It's a whippersnipper. It's not a whippersnapper. It's a whippersnipper. So, yeah, you'll have large tools and then like rakes and shovels and all those big things. Then you'll have small tools, uh, little hand shovels. I don't know what those hand shovel things are called. I just call it a little hand shovel. Trowel, is that the word? I think it's a trowel. Uh, secateurs, moisture meter, you know, all the little things like that. Okay. Then you've Are got, you ready for your whippersnipper? Yeah. So yeah. what we call a whippersnipper in America, they might use a weed whacker or oh, a line trimmer yep. uh, or a strimmer in the UK and Ireland. Strimmer. A strimmer. So now everyone knows what we're talking about, no matter where you're listening from. Mm-hmm. Apologies to those who, who I, we don't know the you know, Russian word for. <laughs> might take us a bit longer. We're not very good with that. So additives like fertilisers, pesticides, uh, I mentioned mulch before, and bits and pieces like perlite that you might want to throw or through your like soil. seaweed and like solution that. and those kind of... Yep, seaweed solutions and fertilisers, and you can have like liquid fertilisers and then you can have the little pearl fertilisers, mm-hmm. the long-release ones, um, pesticides, natural pesticides, chemical pesticides, fungicides, uh, all that kind of stuff would all be another category. Then there's accessories, like Mick's got a whole tub in the shed of bits of irrigation, so all the little tube bits that you know, need to be replaced when they get broken down or a rabbit eats them or something like that. We, we have a pet rabbit that has eaten our irrigation. And all the little tiny fittings and fixtures, sprinkler heads and hose fittings and all that kind of stuff would be another category. Um, protective and safety stuff, gloves, masks, knee pads, little knee mats, um, hats, sunscreen, boots. Am I missing anything? Aprons. What else could there be? Mm, I can't think much else. Oh, seeds. Mm-hmm. The, but the plants themselves, cuttings, uh, little propagations. I know that when we've been doing my clients' gardening stuff, we spend a lot of time doing that because every time I leave, I come back and she's done like more planting or something like that and we've ended up having to rejig things because we have more of something than we thought or whatever. But um, one of the things that that she struggles with sometimes is um, grouping her plants by what phase they're in because she actually sells the plants because she also makes pots and hangers and stuff. So she has different categories and I have the same as well. I have some things that are sitting in water because they need water therapy or they're sitting in water because I'm propagating them or they're in what we call the ICU (laughs) where like I've got a plant at the moment in ICU and um, sometimes you need to find a home for those plants temporarily or something like that. So plants can be can cause clutter as well and and need to be organized as well as all the equipment around them too. So what's the most obvious place or the most likely place that people store all this stuff because there's quite a bit of stuff there Hmm. and I would suggest that there's not just one logical place to store it all yeah and it really does depend on what you've got like what you have available to you storage wise you know some people will keep all this stuff in their garage others will have a dedicated garden shed others won't even like if you live in an apartment and you have you know all of your plants out on your balcony or in your house you might not have any storage like a shed or a garage or anything like that to put all this stuff so you need to store it somewhere in the house but most people most of my clients um, in Australia 
that I deal with have a garden shed or a garage that they store them in. But, yeah, we have definitely stored them in laundries as well. Yeah, I, st- I, actually, I store a few yeah. of my the smaller things like gloves and a few sprinkler heads and stuff like that in the, the cupboard under my laundry sink. Yeah. Even though we have two uh, garden sheds and a garage, <laughs> <laughs> some of it still lives there. I think it's accessibility is one of the things that helps you choose where to put something. Mick Mick sort of keeps most of the stuff that he uses in our shed and I I don't use the shed a great deal and I think what I prefer is to have some of my gardening stuff in a separate spot. So I've separated out my stuff that I use regularly from his stuff and that's just for me so that I don't have to go through all his big stuff because I don't do outdoor gardening, so I don't have all of that, the hedge trimmers and the, you know, and if I want to snip something inside or prune something inside, I just use my scissors, whatever scissors I can find. <laughs> like I'm not fussy. I don't need to go and buy it, get the secateurs because nothing's strong enough to need secateurs. So I just use my own things. And um, I was recently, I sort of was, was finding that I was losing things. I lost my moisture meter recently and it really annoyed me because I had a spot where I thought I was keeping it most of the time and that was where I kept going and looking for it and I couldn't find it and it was about three days later and I remember saying to Zoe that I couldn't find the moisture meter and I was searching for it and then I said three days later to her I found the moisture meter and she said where was it and I said it was behind the television (laughs) what I know see this is the funny thing is I put things down but the reason why I had my moisture meter behind my television, if anyone is interested in knowing, is that I have a hanging plant that hangs above our TV and I have to get up on a stool to water it and to, check, you know, it, it's easy to use the moisture meter on that one because I can't see the soil from the height that I am. I have to kind of reach up and stick my finger in and I don't like doing that. I hate sticking my finger in soil. So I used the moisture meter and then I was watering it at the same time. So I must have put the moisture meter down on the this little thing that sits behind the, it's a speaker that sits behind the television. So I put the moisture meter down on that from the great height that I was at, watered it, got down and off I went and, you know, took the stool away and then forgot about the moisture meter. And then when I was dusting behind there, I found it. (laughs) So I was like, yay, I found my moisture meter. So my moisture meter actually lives normally when I put it away, it lives in my buffet cabinet in front of my platters <laughs> so and, and this is where you know I think that sometimes we get caught up on getting the perfect storage place for something but for me that's the perfect place because it's near where most of my plants are it's central it's a it's kind of my cupboard I'm the only one who really accesses that cupboard it also has my art stuff in it and that's where I put some spare pots and uh, my watering can and my moisture meter and uh, so it doesn't seem to make sense from a traditional perspective whereas if you, you said some where, where should you put your gardening stuff you wouldn't say you know why don't you stick it in your buffet next in front of your platters platters yeah, yeah. <laughs> next to the platters uh, but it makes perfect sense for me because it's accessible and it's quick and it's easy and no one's going to mess with it and that's where I go looking for stuff so that's where I've chosen to, to put mine so there's heaps of places that we can store our gardening stuff and the key is to store it where it's accessible and um, makes sense to you based on what you have available to you yeah I like that so where do we start with decluttering then because I I feel like gardening stuff is a real but I might need it one day kind of area because it can be it's I don't know it does not fit for me in like a logical category because it's stuff that you don't use every day but there might be stuff you use seasonally like 
there are some things yeah. we use here in summer that then don't that get put away don't get used again until um, the following year so you can't even apply the if I haven't used it in six months it's going mm. rule um, so where do you start if you're decluttering garden items well, some things will will have gotten to be the point of being useless, especially if you haven't been through your gardening stuff for a while. Uh, I know that when I go through garden sheds, there are a lot of stuff that hasn't been touched for ages and was forgotten about or lost or whatever. So things go rusty and things go off and things get broken. So those are the first ones I would go with. Like I would sort of say, have a look at your fertilizers and your chemicals and are any of them out of their best usable period and then have a look at your tools and are any of them rusty or broken and they're all kind of no-brainers if you suspect there are spiders living in your gloves for me that's a no-brainer it's like I'm not even gonna try and clean these I'm just gonna get rid of them because you know spiders ooh. and in your boots and stuff you know it's like at the end of at the end of winter no, at the end of summer, when I've gone to look inside gumboots and mm. places like that, if they're stored outside, you can guarantee that some spiders have. Well, we live in Australia, after all. The Americans might be like, "Really?" But no, definitely in Australia, there'll be spiders in your gumboots um, if you leave them for more than a day. I reckon. Yeah, I think, and I think that's why my gloves or my gardening gloves live in the laundry cupboard because mm. I don't like the idea of because you can't really unless you fully turn a glove inside out. Check. So the thought of putting my hand yeah. in a glove that's been sitting in the shed for six months is just... Yeah, ugh. it's a bit scary. Yeah. And I've got mine outside, actually. My gloves are outside. But we have... There's the shed, but then we have another area where we have some another storage area, which is kind of where our bins go down the side of the house. It's the opposite side of the house to where the garage is. And Mick bought a lockable cupboard for there. And so that's kind of, he's used it a little bit, but it's be kind of become my place to put my gardening stuff. So my gloves go in there and the door closes and I haven't found any pests inside the cupboard. So I'm feeling pretty safe with that particular cupboard. That's where I have my trowel and my little fork and spare pots and fertilizer and sometimes my soil if I buy small amounts of soil they'll go in that cupboard but if I buy the big tubs they just the big bags they go next to it so yeah that's kind of my my little cupboard and occasionally like Mick's got stuff in there as well and I don't pay any attention to that and I don't know if he uses it or not but that's my that's where I keep my stash but because it closes I feel quite safe with regard to the spiders and stuff yeah and I feel like gardening stuff is kind of fits in that odd realm as well where it's like a hobby but it's kind of not you know you could get carried away with buying excess gardening stuff oh totally Um, but you probably actually don't need as much as you think you can probably get by with yeah with less can't you yeah so many people end up with duplicates of stuff Mm -hmm. especially if they don't have it organized because I know that secateurs are one of the things that there's often several (laughs) of those because that's that's you in my house (laughs) yeah well in our house I can never find secateurs so I just use the scissors but yeah that that's an area that people do buy duplicates of and you know other things like steaks Mm -hmm. there's often like loads of steaks I'll just keep these because I'll be handy and then you stash them but then you realize you've got seven stashes of steaks around the backyard somewhere and sheds and cupboards and standing behind doors and all that kind of stuff so that's another thing and things that might be useful strings and wires and bits of shade cloth and hessian and 
fencing and those kinds of things can also collect up a little bit too much because you know you think oh that'll be handy if I ever want need to repair that part of the fence or if I never need to stake up that plant I'll you know I'll need these things and so it does collect up a little bit Um, so those are those things are always duplicates the plastic pots definitely get a little bit high in volume Mm -hmm. and I think they come in faster than what they're used so that there's a always a risk that you'll end up with too many of those so I think when it comes to decluttering it's the same as with everything else you just you just have to ask yourself how much is enough that I feel prepared but I don't have it causing me a problem storage wise yeah and do the things that you do have work the way they need to or they should and if they don't yeah can you change that so um, I saw a really good segment on Gardening Australia recently where they took a whole lot of rusty old tools that people weren't throwing out because they were still good tools. They were just... Yeah, well, they cost a lot. Yeah, they were just rusty or blunt or the timber handles had all split apart and stuff like that Mm. and they repaired them and they ended up these beautiful items. And I said to my husband, well, we should do that because that's the the issue with secateurs in our house is they go blunt and then (laughs) instead of just sharpening them, we just buy a new pair. But then I don't (laughs) throw out the old pair because the old pair Uh aren't wrecked they're still fine they just need to be sharpened so it's like I guess you've got to ask yourself can you repair it Hmm. uh, rather than replacing it or if you're going to replace it then pass along the one you've replaced rather than just adding all the time yeah yeah and if you're not going to use it don't hang on to it Hmm. you know just cut your losses and just say look there is no way I'm going to repair this, um, so I'm going to give it to someone who will or I'm going to recycle it uh, instead because, you know, there's no way I'm going to repair it. If that if that's your thing, if you buy instead of repair, then don't kid yourself that keeping the ones that need repair are actually, is actually worth your time. Um, they can get some more use from some by somebody else possibly. So it's probably quite easy to set boundaries or limits if you have, say, a garden shed. Because when your garden shed's full, then you've got to declutter it and work out what, you know, or reorganize it so that, you know, everything fits in there. What if you don't Mm. have a dedicated space? What if you put things under your laundry cupboard, in your buffet, (laughs) uh, in a plastic tub in your spare room? How do you you set a limit or a, a boundary around that kind of thing to make sure it doesn't explode? I think it's exactly the same. With your garden shed, you, you've you had your boundary defined for you. And if you don't have a garden shed, you haven't had the boundary defined for you, but you can define it yourself. So you can just say, I will only have one tub of gardening stuff in the garage or in the spare room or under my bed or in the laundry or wherever you put it. And I will just keep one basket of gloves and accessories and one small basket of tools and that's it you know so you you define your boundary instead of having it defined for you and then you will reap the same benefits as those who have a defined boundary of a garden shed uh, in that you you are limited to what you can keep because you have defined those limits does that make sense yeah absolutely and I guess as well you can use the good old one in one out rule so if you're buying your garden gloves because they're pretty which happens (laughs) occasionally in this house (laughs) Although usually my old gun gloves get passed to a kid. 
So it's like, yeah. you can have that monkey pair. <laughs> these new pretty ones. Um, and then whoever is the smallest child, she chucks out her monkey monkey ones that have been passed down three times. <laughs> yeah. and, oh, and the poor youngest child. They always get the radius stuff, don't they? <laughs> yep. Um, so I guess you could use a rule like that. The other thing I think is if because some, especially bigger garden items, do cost a considerable amount if the whole thought of letting something go if you're struggling with that because of its cost and because of the waste factor and you feel like it's wasteful just throwing it out think about donating it because there's actually quite a few community groups and stuff like that that would really benefit from garden tools like I know a lot of community gardens will take Mm. tools even if they're broken because there's usually people attached to them that are quite handy and will happily repair or resharpen or whatever garden tools that can repair hoses and sprinkler fittings and stuff like that. If the plastic's busted, there are some people with far better DIY skills than we have in this house. (laughs) And there's land care groups, there's men's sheds, places like that. So if it's the waste thing that's kind of getting in your way, if that's your obstacle to letting go of the garden stuff, then maybe if you're giving it away to a group, it might kind of remove that obstacle for you. Yeah, as soon as you started talking about that, I started thinking of the men's sheds and, and places like that. And even, you know, like you said, even if they're not going to use the item, they might um, repair it and pass it on themselves. So the men's shed might have someone who likes to repair wooden handles of tools and then pass them on. So, you know, they get triple lease on life really because someone gets to enjoy doing them up and then someone gets to enjoy using them after you've discarded them as well. Um, my part, just on a little you know, sidetrack. After he retired, he lived on a farm his whole life and just was not good at not doing anything. So Mm. he used to go around to old yard sales and clearing sales and stuff like that and buy battered, beat up, rusty wheelbarrows. And he would come home and weld them and fix them up and give them a coat of paint, put a new tire on and then sell them. And it was so, he did that. He did hundreds of wheelbarrows in his (laughs) retirement and um, he used to always say that was his pocket money. But it was great. And Nana loved it because it kept him kept busy. It kept him out mm-hmm. of the house. And he would he would get his pocket money. I don't know what he spent his pocket money on, but probably buying more wheelbarrows. But he yeah. loved it. And it was really good because we would have, like for us now, if our wheelbarrow got rusty, I don't know what we'd do with it. But there's obviously people out there yeah. that love turning that stuff into something useful again. Or people would... I know he got one of them and painted it um, for my mum, but it was beyond fixing. And it went in one of our garden beds and was filled with soil with a whole lot of flowers in it, Mm. you know, to be decorative. Yeah. Um, So just because they're done with you doesn't mean they're done for life. Yeah. Actually, that's the case for lots and lots of tools. And when we do our estate clearances, tools are probably one of the easiest things for us to rehome. Uh, the auction houses definitely love vintage tools. They'll take them regardless of the condition if they're vintage generally, uh, unless the damage is irreparable, like, you know, it's a it's a fork and it's missing one of the tines or something like that. But for the most part, you know, they they just sort of want to use, they, they'll take everything. And then, you know, you just have to advertise on Marketplace or Gumtree 
for other things and people love them and they'll come and collect them and they'll say what else have you got you know I I really love collecting old tools and I love doing up to all tools and things like that and uh, using them as decorative pieces in the garden and all that kind of stuff and we actually find tools one of the easiest things to dispose of so when you are decluttering and you have got all of those old tools definitely investigate somebody else like rehoming them rather than sticking them in their bin or the recycling because they are actually a high demand kind of item the other thing you could think about when you're decluttering if there's something that you don't use often but you do use occasionally for us i've got a real scene with wheelbarrows today but it was (laughs) uh our wheelbarrow tire had gone flat and it was some random shape or size or something and they said oh you have to buy a whole new wheel which will be it was going to cost as much okay, as, as much the wheelbarrow. Right. <laughs> anyway, so we um, donated the metal, put the metal in a like a scrap metal thing, um, recycling bin or whatever it was. Uh, and then we were like, okay, do we need a wheelbarrow? How often do we use it? And like most of our garden beds are set. Occasionally we might use one like maybe once a year at the beginning of summer when we put mulch on all our garden beds again. But we're like, really, is it worth buying a new wheelbarrow just for mulch? And we decided not to. And so for the last couple of years, we haven't had one and we've had no issues because my brother has one and he doesn't, he lives 25 minutes away and our neighbor has one. So if we ever get mulch, we just borrow from them and then clean them up and then drop them back. And it's like, thank you. And then, so our neighbors have done the same with us when there's stuff that they need that we've got. We're like, well, don't you buy any more. Just come and use ours. You know where the garden shed is. Just come around the back and grab it. And then it just saves both of us having everything. We just we just yeah. share. So if there are people near you that you could share with, you could actually declutter some of your stuff and move to like a sharing arrangement with other people. That's a brilliant idea, especially for because like you said, there's some things you just don't use that frequently. And if you've got family or friends nearby and you can come to an arrangement where – you know, especially if if both of you have too much stuff and you're going to declutter, talk to them about it and say, look, I'm going to declutter my whippersnipper. um, So don't declutter yours because I'm going to come and borrow yours. And you can declutter your wheelbarrow because I'm going to keep mine and you're you're welcome to borrow it anytime you want. And so you end up halving the amount of stuff that you have without halving the access to stuff. Uh, you still have all of the stuff that you need. And I keep saying this to people who go into retirement villages. Um, I always you know, say to them, if you can talk to your neighbours and find out what they have before you do your decluttering, you can then make some better decisions about what stays and what goes because you'll be able to borrow things off them. And so you know, there's no point taking your wheelbarrow if both neighbours on either side of you have have a wheelbarrow and and of course are willing to share (laughs) you can't make that assumption but most people would be willing to share and you know and you can say you can ask them you know why don't you just take one one thing of secateurs um and leave the really long ones because next door neighbor's got some or bring your really long ones because no one else in the the village has the long the long you know the ones i mean the really long Mm-hmm. I'm making that for those that are listening I'm making the hand, hand signals about what this thing looks like but of course this is a podcast not a video so Tara can see my hand signals but you can't hear them um the like really long shears. the long clippers shears yeah, yeah the pruning shears so something like that I don't even know it's an example I didn't even need to go into that much detail but anyway yeah well, it's I like, think my point like, is made yeah it's like hedge trimmers for people with really big tall hedges that just clip them twice a year 
maybe, you know, spring and autumn, weigh up the cost of buying your own hedge trimmers and maintaining them and storing them versus hiring them Mm. for four hours twice a year because um, there's so many hire places that will hire those, you know, bigger, especially if they're electric items, things like that. And then you think, well, then I go pick them up, use them, drop them back. I don't have to store them. I don't have to, you know, keep them clean, make sure they don't go rusty. So some of those things are worth worth investigating, especially if you're thinking about purchasing a new item for your garden. Mm. Just look at the alternatives and work out what's best. Definitely. And if you are saving things for just in case, like not even – you know, there was, like the things we were talking about there, we you know how often you use them. The hedge trimmer, you know, you use that twice a year, for example. And the whippersnipper, you know, you use that every fortnight when you mow the lawns. But there are some things that we keep because they're just in case. And it's like the pots that I was talking about before. A lot of the time plastic pots are kept for just in case. And jars and tubs and buckets and things like that are often, oh, well, I you know, I might need them one day. So think about... If you didn't have them, how would you cope? And for the most part, you would probably cope okay if you didn't have them or if you only had a few of them. So if you only had four plastic pots instead of 40, how would you cope? And if you think you'd cope okay, then you'd be able to declutter most of them. So it's sort of more um, just thinking in reverse of, you know, what would I do if I didn't have this? And would I cope okay? And for the most part, we, we would really. Like, you know, all of the options that we were talking about just then, like, you know, borrowing them and hiring them and all that, there's a lot of options open. We don't have to panic about not having something, I don't think. Yeah, and especially when the cost uh, of an item is low as well because things like plastic pots, if you decided mm. you needed to mm, – is there a technical term? I was going to say up pot a plant. You know, like when a plant outgrows <laughs> up pot, its pot? Yeah. And upgrade upsize upsize i don't know i don't know repot repot's repot. probably the yeah um and you need a bigger pot than the one you've got if you don't have a plastic pot in a bigger size chances are someone around you will but if not the cost to acquire one of them is pretty low so again it comes out down to how much space have you got is it worth keeping bigger pots just in case or you know, could you spend the $2 to go and get a new one if you had let go of your other pots and you found that you needed one? So, yeah, I think you, I mean, what we do with, with our plastic pots here, uh, and we currently don't have any, is I will look around because we don't have 7 million indoor plants like you do, Beck. When, um, and why? <laughs> because we move too much and we can't <laughs> yeah, move them interstate. Yeah. So, all that, my plants yeah. I rehome every time I move which is frequently so yeah um that makes sense yeah um so what I will do is if I buy a plant and I take it out of the plastic pot I will look around at my other pots and see if anything is coming up to being that size in the next few months and if it's not if I can't see that I would up pot it uh then I will let go of the pot but you can Mm. have a look around as well try and be prepared yeah I've just set a boundary you know I've got that I've got the shelf in the cupboard and I put the little pots in there and if when I go to put a pot in there because I've you know repotted or whatever and it doesn't fit easily then uh, I recycle it instead so I just use that boundary and and then you know like you said if I go looking for pots and I can't find the size I want I can just go and buy one it's not a huge deal because they're not expensive so what's the best way if we've decluttered we've got down to what we think is a reasonable limit. What's the best way to organise our stuff then? 
we've kind of covered this a little bit as we've been talking, haven't we? Um, so create a home. Uh, so well, I suppose there's two different ways. If you've got already got a shed or a dedicated space, then you just do the regular organizing thing by grouping things in like groups that make sense to you. And so what I talked about at the start where I sort of talked about those large groups of or categories of things like soil, pots, large tools, small tools, additives, accessories, um, protective and safety stuff, and then seeds and, and plants themselves. Those those categories could be, you know, a good a good starting place for you. But group them in light groups. And you could also group them by season as well if you wanted to. Uh, you could group them by the type of gardening. So you could have your indoor plant gardening stuff in one tub and you know your outdoor gardening stuff in another tub, that kind of thing. So use tubs and baskets to keep all your stuff separated. That way you better use the shelves and they're less likely to get cluttered and you not be able to see the stuff at the back and all that kind of stuff. So Because usually in garden sheds you've got those metal racks and if you just put stuff loose on there, uh, things fall off and get messy and broken and all of that. So using tubs or baskets really um, improves both the look of it and the accessibility of all of the stuff. Um, another thing you can do is try and use the walls where possible. So if you're mm. storing outside or in a garage, some of those little S-hooks that hook over the... S-hooks are the best. Yeah. Um, the edge of your garage so you can hang things. Or, you know, shelving and racks, especially if moisture gets in. Like I know our garden sheds, when it's been a really significant rain, uh, the floors will get damp. And so if you've got, um, well, you definitely don't want a bag of concrete (laughs) sitting uh, (laughs) in water. Um, I think that's happened to us once before. But um, even, you know, things like your fertilizers and stuff like that, if they're even if they're pots and the pots are sealed, uh, things can just get a bit gross, like a bit mucky and stinky because moisture gets trapped. Uh, if things are in boxes or bags or whatever, again, the moisture gets in and it can, you know, breed mold and that kind of stuff. So if you can get stuff up off the floor um, and inside tubs and stuff is great. But I would say if you're putting things inside tubs, either go clear or label something if you can't see inside it so that you can, you know, say, Sprinklers and accessories, so you know that all of those little bits mm. and bobs are all inside that pot. Yep. And I actually do recommend putting um, soil into buckets. You can actually buy special buckets. It's almost, I think you can, almost like the grain feed buckets. And they're really um, pest and moisture sealing as well so that would be helpful if you do have a problem with moisture or or heat is another one um especially like here in australia our sheds our garden sheds get you know, like really really hot inside and um, i've worked in them in summer and it's not pretty and so you know you you might want to keep things a little bit safer um, from from that so you can actually buy if you wanted to buy high quality tubs and bins for things like that that can you can so that can be helpful. Uh, soils work if you you know if you if you have got a half half a bag of soil open, it's better if you put it in a sealed container, um, and not just because you don't want the soil ruined, but a lot of those soils, a lot of garden soils and mixes that you buy can harbour bacteria, so um, you can catch Legionnaires' disease from potting soil. 
And so you really need to be careful about the, that entering the, the air. So, you know, keeping them sealed is, is a really good idea. Because when you're using them, you should be wearing a mask. And if you're not using them, but you've left the bag open, you know, it's, you still, it still might get into the air. And so, yeah, having, a, having it closed off and sealed is a good idea. And I guess if you don't have a shed or um, that kind of space to store your garden stuff, uh, tubs, again, are great. And if they're plastic, they can be weather resistant, whatever can be kept mm. outside, keep the moisture out, um, that kind of thing. Um, and Beck, you've recommended using a consistent kind of storage option, like a colour or a similar type of tub. Yeah. So, yeah, I was sort of thinking that if you were stashing your garden stuff throughout your house and you had some in the laundry, some in your spare room, and some in your in your china cabinet, <laughs> then if you use a tub or a basket that is all that will tubs or baskets that all look the same or are the same color so you might have green green baskets for all your gardening stuff so when you do open that cupboard you can quickly identify um, your gardening stuff because it's in the green basket especially if you have it sort of scattered around Um, it makes it a little bit easier to identify and we'll be back to that discussion in just a moment If you really appreciate this podcast and get a lot from it, we would love it if you would consider becoming a Patreon supporter. This will help us keep the podcast content coming to you by covering some of our costs and importantly, keep it ad free. You can find the Become a Patreon button on our website at www.beuncluttered.com.au. We really appreciate your support. Thank you. Right now. Back to the discussion. And what about maintenance? If we've decluttered, reorganised, it's looking great. Mm. Um, for me, uh, maintenance is stopping buying secateurs, but yeah. how else can we uh, maintain our new, our new limits and our, our organised yeah. garden spaces? Well, like you said, you know, figure out whether you really need to buy these things or whether there's another way, you know. So it's all about intentional shopping, isn't it, you know, if you're buying something just because you've lost the other one, is it worth putting in a bit more time organising before you go and buy another one so that you can maybe find the the pair that you're looking for? And if you have your boundaries, you know, and because if you're a bit of a garden head, then when you're wandering around Bunnings or I don't know what it might be in other countries, Lowe's maybe in America, um, you're wandering around. There's things that will pop out because they, they know us well and they work with their psychology on us and you'll be walking past an aisle and they'll have like something really interesting and dangling off an end there and enticing you. So if you walk past and, you know, there is a pretty pair of gloves there, and you're like, oh, that's cool. That's my favorite color. I love those gloves. But you have four pairs of gardening gloves at home, then you walk on by. You walk past those pretty ones and you don't buy them to use later or you don't buy them, you know, unless the ones you've got at home are still in their packets, you can give them away <laughs> as presents. You don't buy the new ones. So it's all about resisting the temptation when you see things as you're shopping. And, you know, and plants are another one. People do buy more plants than they have 
space for and that can be a little bit of a problem as well so you've got to be careful that when you do want to go plant shopping that you're intentional about it and you've got like we've got a plant it's going to be this big and it's got to fit in this space and um, it's got to be this tight because this is the type of light and airflow that it gets in that spot so uh, and then you don't come home with six plants you come home with just that one that you actually were shopping for so shopping intentionally is important yeah we've uh, had to create a rule in this house that we write a list before we go to the hardware store or the garden center and it's It's kind of uh we try and be really strict with it because we go ooh, ooh, christmas lights are on sale let's buy more fairy lights and like come home with random stuff that we just never knew we needed yep um because that's the thing with those places everything in them is handy like mm. it's not like walking into a clothing store where half or where eight ninety percent of the clothes that are in that store aren't going to fit you. Like when you walk into Bunnings, pretty much everything in there could be could be useful for you. You know, mm-hmm. you could find a use for it. So you do have to be careful. It's kind of like going into a craft store, like like Spotlight. Um, there's great danger um, as far as impulse purchases goes. Yeah. So we we get really strict. It's got to be on the list, or it doesn't it doesn't mm. come home. I like that. And then for a while there, we were thinking if it's not on the list, I don't know if they do this in America. In Australia, you can usually buy a sausage in bread outside of the hardware store. And so yes. we had a rule in our family that if you if you bought anything off the list, you didn't get your sausage in sandwich. Oh, that's right. So it was like, and because the smell of the sausages as you walk in is so enticing. So it's like, yeah. stick to the list, stick to the list. I really want that. <laughs> I love um, that. The only problem is if you go by yourself, you can cheat. I would cheat. I'd just, I'd buy my impulse things and go, oh, no one knows I'm going to get my sausage anyway. <laughs> that's me. Integrity plus. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, if you need someone to be accountable to uh, for your hardware store purchasing, maybe come to our community group on Facebook and tell everyone you're going shopping at the hardware store. <laughs> tell us what's on your list. Uh, and tell and us we'll say you whether you can through. have your sausage or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these countries that, apart from Australia, will have no idea probably what we're talking about here. But if you Google Bunnings and um, sausages, then you'll, you'll figure out what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll increase the immigration to Australia. I'm pretty sure we've sold everyone on, you know, sausages in in bread on the way to the hardware store. Although oh, the, the chat about the spiders in gloves <laughs> might turn a few people off. It might too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least, yeah. I was going to try and say something like, at least our spiders aren't that dangerous, but they are. So yeah. I, there's no point saying that. <laughs> Just be thankful if they're spiders and not snakes, hey? Well, that's true. You don't want to find a, a snake in your boot. Mm. I sounded like Woody Woody from Toy Story. There's a snake in my boot. Uh, I think we've lost the plot. Should we wrap this up? <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. Yes, so please come and join us in our uh, Facebook community and uh, share with us your shed stories and shed photos. And I will um, share some of my garden stories, as imperfect as it is, on there as well. And we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com. 